Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. I know a football program, they literally play it out loud. In the meeting room. <laughs> Our podcast? Uh-huh. Come on. Pete How could I be anti-Bigfoot and throw me off the podcast? And SI's Pat Forty. Bigfoot <laughs> is immune, I guarantee Bigfoot it. Bigfoot <laughs> caught COVID. What happened? Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. All right. We're going to get some football. How the Tennessee Vols turn the great soap opera of our time. But first, I want to talk about uh, a little college hoops because we have what I think we should be rebranded. They're calling it mask madness. They should rebrand it necessary madness. (laughs) Wear broke madness. (laughs) Rattle the tin can madness. It's a bunch of athletic directors sitting on street corners in downtown Indianapolis hoping (laughs) wayward college basketball fans will throw a nickel in. Uh, The NCAA experienced a $600 million drop in revenue in 2020. Yep. That's going to sting, you know, unless you're like Apple. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that that one's going to hurt. Most of that is because they were unable to play their basketball tournament. And now we're going to do this thing. I don't care if it's a field of eight. It's like back in the 1939 when Wyoming won it or something like didn't Wyoming win one. Oregon won in 1939. The Tall Furs. Tall Furs. Yeah. Uh, right. Indiana in 1940. I'll have to look up a couple well, of years after Wyoming that. Was Pat in was there pissed once. about the Oregon one because he had a bad seat on press row. He was mad at I did. two more decades. That's right. That's right. <laughs> John Feinstein was complaining about access. <laughs> <laughs> Pat still thinks the Tall Furs weren't that tall. But the we'll t- get to that later. Yeah, they, they really weren't. As a matter it's of like fact, if you look runs. it up. The runs really weren't that small. Not fair. Tiny Archibald, not fair. Yeah. <laughs> Wyoming was the 1943 champion. Ah, that's, to me, that's when it started. That's no. These early ones is like pre-integration football titles. Like, I don't buy. Till Wyoming stepped in and won that bad boy. Not They legit. were the, the first team to win in Madison Square Garden. Yeah. About that. Where the shave, it was probably a point shaving that they never caught. <laughs> And there's so much local talent there. I don't know how they haven't won more. Wyoming could take the the Casper. The Casper talent pool was amazing that year. Yeah, New Mexico got the pipeline to the Casper AAU team, and they (laughs) never quite quite get it back to Laramie. Fennis Dembo never really uh, fulfilled his his manifest destiny. The Cheyenne Street agents were in the bag for the Cowboys. (laughs) Yeah, paid off a dude up in Cody, and that was the team. They were good. (laughs) 
Yeah, they, they didn't uh, give him cars. They gave him John Deere tractors. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I think there was a point shaving that got didn't get caught because there's no way Wyoming won the national championship in basketball. <laughs> Legitimately. Not their fault. They were the clean ones. Uh, I just think that's just is my just an assumption. Just an assumption. Anyway, uh, NCA's broke. So we're going to do this. The uh, whole thing's going to be in Indianapolis, various or, or all the way to West Lafayette and Bloomington. They moved the schedule, uh, which I think really is a concerning element for we want to alert the functioning alcoholics of our audience, which I believe is all of you who would uh, try to take off on Thursday to watch the first two rounds, watch the first round and, and, and sneak into a bar at noon. There will be basketball at noon on that Thursday, but it'll be the first four. So you can't really say to your boss, I've got to go because I just love watching the excitement of March <laughs> Madness because nobody watches the first four. <laughs> the purpose uh, I, of the first four is to find the channels. So if you're in a hotel, <laughs> you're like, okay, true TV, I've got you. I can find you now. If you're home, you can you can navigate like your YouTube TV to find out where they all are. You can get them like like in the yeah, you can get them ready. That is the whole point of the first four is just remote control muscle memory. You mean people aren't gonna be like skulking out to Buffalo Wild Wings to watch the MIAC champ against the neck champ on on that Thursday? I I can't believe hey, normally a Thursday, normally one of those teams makes a run. Come on now. Don't be hating on uh, the first four. No, the, no. Well, the, some of those teams, but not the MEAC champ or the NEC champ. Those yeah. are not the ones making the run. Yes. They are just <laughs> units con, con conjured up in order to let more power teams in. It's just, it's classic. If you want to know why the first four is six, it's like classic college sports catering to the big boys, forgetting about the other folks. Now, those smaller leagues don't complain because the chance to get a unit is like transformative for the NEC or the MEAC or one of those uh, one of those smaller leagues. But it's just a sort of uh, outdrawn way, ornate way to screw the little guy. You but know, I don't think just, if you win in the first four, you get a unit. You only get... You do. You do now? I believe you do. I don't think yes. you do. I covered the first four one year, and I interviewed the NEC commissioner about it, Noreen right. Morris. So, so you get two. I'm I'm surprised by that. I remember they did it because the old remember the old WAC had 16 teams, and it was deemed too big. Oh yeah, just laughable now. Uh, they split, and so to the Mountain West and WAC, and they each needed an automatic bid. And rather than give up one at large spot, the major conferences screwed the whole thing up by creating the first four. That was how that's how much one little unit, one at large bid. They said, well, because the 64 was perfect. It fit nicely in a bracket. It, 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 you know, back in the day, look good in the newspaper, the whole thing. And then right. they yep. they had to do it because you can't give up a dollar. Uh, but all I'm going to say is if you're watching the first four, if you're going noon on that Thursday and you're drinking, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but, you know, <laughs> might be time to, you know, might be conversation time. Might be an internal conversation time. <laughs> Check yourself. Wait, Check yourself. Wait until Friday when the real thing starts, and then you have an excuse for why you're getting loaded and eating potato skins at twelve twenty on a on a week on a work day. So save up your thing. Do not fall for the Thursday trap because I don't think they even call it the prelim or the play in game now. That's like the first round, and then don't fall for it. This is our alert to our listeners. Yep. Friday, first round. Friday, Saturday, first round. 
Sunday, Monday, second round. So, hey, you know, if you're looking to take days off, take them on either end of the weekend. Take the Friday and take the Monday. That would be the bold play. There's like telling the boss, no, I got to have Monday off too. I can't, I'm, I'm working on Thursday, but you won't see me on Monday. Will we have day games on Monday? I'm all for yeah. day games, especially. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. There's no okay. way we're going to avoid it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's There's a- usually day games on Sunday. So, yeah. Yep. That makes, put them on in the morning. Let's go. Sure. Jam mm-hmm. them in there. They're jamming them in so that we can uh, get this done with this little uh, thing. Now, there's some interesting uh, ideals. I saw Jeff Cape will talk about this. They're talking about the conference championship games. Oh, conference tournament. Interesting. What do you do with yeah. this thing? You're going to hold it. Right now, they're all on. But as Capel, the Pittsburgh coach, said, smart guy, went to Duke. He said, uh, well, if you're already in, why play it? Because all you're doing is risking getting guys sick. Uh, you don't want to get the protocol, so you're probably better off skipping your conference tournament and and isolating. This is the kind of this is the kind of thinking I like. This is kind of <laughs> is this, this what's going to happen? There's only going to be the oh. bad teams, and then a bad team is going to win like the ACC title and take a bid from the second best team in the Missouri Valley or the Atlantic Ten yeah. or whatever. Yes, no. Look, hey, you saw how some conferences manipulated the end of the football season, right? You ain't seen nothing yet compared to what they could do here. I mean, there could be a lot of shenanigans involved. Now, I know they're for, for revenue's sake, and there will be pressure from TV to put on a legitimate conference tournament. But are you going to tell you gonna tell me Gonzaga's going to the WCC tournament when they've got a chance to win a national championship? Hell to the no. No way. I think a lot of teams that have – Bids totally locked up will be like, mm, gee, not really feeling that. Now, the, the flip side, I have had some coaches say, well, but then you're just sitting around your campus and you don't have games. And then, you know, you're better off being in a controlled environment at the conference tournament. So there, there, there's two ways to look at it. But would it shock me if, you know, the SEC says, you know, the five teams that have got bids locked up, Y'all just take this week off, and we, we'll we'll get another bid. We'll get Mississippi State or Kentucky yeah. a bid, you know. And guess that that will come out of the hide of the smallest of the mid-major conferences. Never underestimate the ability of college sports programs to cheat, and this is just a grand avenue for them to cheat the system somehow. Like all <laughs> this, like the student athletes from the universities trying to game the system are up next on the podium here at the NCAA (laughs) tournament. I mean, it's just, it is, the the window is wide open. Now, the one reason why, like, so regular season college basketball as inventory, as a product is worth no money, right? It's very, very little money. Like Carolina Duke best rated game of the year most years doesn't, do near the rating of like the belt bowl. I mean, it is just, it is just mass inventory that fills space and doesn't rate. And I haven't looked at ratings this year, but I would imagine they're worse than ever because it's a pretty starless environment right now. Gonzaga's great. They're the best team. They don't really have a national following like a big blue blood. Baylor doesn't either. So like there's two great teams and they have stars, but they don't have Zionist stars. So this is a long winded way to say the one piece of inventory other than the NCAA tournament that's worth money are the conference tournaments. You think about that conference tournament week, you are watching games from 11 a.m. to 2 a.m. every day, and they tend to rate. Like, people are going to watch Notre Dame Duke at Barclays. People are going to watch some of the West Coast, you know, your UCLA, Arizona games. There will be a lot of pressure on the commissioners from TV to not have ragtag, haphazard 
conference tournaments. Now, Gonzaga, they can do what they want. They aren't going to listen. Like, they could just leave the damn league and leave them in the lurch, all right? So they are different. But I do think your power leagues, the commissioners are going to put their thumbs down. I was talking to someone at a Power 5 school this week, and I'm like, and they're having a bad season. I'm like, why don't you just bag it at the end? He's like, nah, the league won't, the league won't let us. Like the league is gonna make us make us appear on that seed line in the conference tournament, even if it's buried on ESPNU somewhere. So I think the power of money will overtake the power of gaming the system. That is my prediction, but I'm hoping for gaming the system. It'll be a lot more fun. Yes. <laughs> See, I saw this as a way to get Duke and Kentucky into the NCAA basketball tournament oh, or sure. North Carolina, right? Sure. Yes. Right now, aren't they all looking like they're going to miss? Uh, uh, Michigan on, State's yeah. kind of hanging on the bubble, too. Right? Oh, Michigan State's yeah. not doing so well. Like, are they going to figure out that that Champions Classic went well, huh? Yeah. <laughs> NIT yeah. champions. Yeah, yeah, right. Every team involved in that is having a miserable season by their normal standards. Yeah. Well, oh, this will be- do you think we'll end up with an NIT this year? Supposedly, the NIT committee is meeting, I heard, this week. Sources, <laughs> I have sources deep, deep within the NIT. What? What are they meeting about? Oh, boy. <laughs> why, why do people always want to meet? This is, like, this is my basic life. I don't want to meet. No. You want to go to the meeting? No. What are you meeting about? The NIT? I already, my opposition to last four in is, is well documented on this podcast. <laughs> yes. But I heard the phrase the other day and I literally changed the channel to the NFL network and just started watching whatever the hell they had on. I hate ESPN's <laughs> coverage because all they do is talk about the last four in in the middle of January. We don't even know who's playing. All right. This like, year, it's, I, it's, it's especially comical. Uh, it's who cares? The team could win 10 straight. They could lose 10 straight. You told me that Michigan State was the best team in the country after they beat uh, a, another crap, uh, beat Duke or something. Yeah, they beat Duke. Oh, hey, they're number one seed in the Southeast region. They're going to go to. No, they're not. They're not now. They're not even on the line. Yeah, they have a losing record in the Big Ten. Pat, do they make the ESPN broadcasters talk about, like, is it mandated that they talk about this last four in during the show? I mean, I it was, don't... I think it was an Arizona, Arizona State game. Is it either of these teams <laughs> making it? Who can? Well, Arizona's it's not the, making it. Ari- they, Arizona's they definitely not making it. They yeah. self-imposed. Yeah. But I'm well, like, why are we discussing this? I don't want to know what you think yeah. about. I don't, I just don't get the obsession over this thing. Cross promotion, Dan, cross promotion, drive them to the website to see Joe Lenardi's bracketology. Man, yeah. And uh, no, but I mean, there's a, there is an appetite for it. It's, it's, it's useless calories. It's empty calories. It's like, you know, putting Mock out drafts. a, I get it. Yeah. yeah right. Playoff the people. Who's in the playoff after two weeks of the football season? You know, that sort of crap. I mean, so that's exactly what this is. And, yeah, it's 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 useless, but they the fact that it has made Joe Lenardi a thing is amazing. What a country! You know? I appreciate <laughs> the honest hustle. I really do. I yeah, don't blame I mean, him. It's just like what? It's like last four in. We, Michigan also- just shut down their whole athletic department. Are they out now? <laughs> <laughs> it's also a reminder of like what you're watching isn't that relevant. That's yeah. what they're basically telling the viewers. Like, I watched oh, yeah, Arizona, right. Arizona State last night. I watched uh, Syracuse, Virginia. Get watched a little UNLV, Utah State, and that there was great Texas Tech, West Virginia game last night. But like, awesome if, game. If great you game. are, yeah, if you are locked in to watch that game and that contest, like, what it really tells you is like the league race. You know what I mean? Which we're in the, the thick of conference tournaments now. The league race doesn't matter. Like, it back in the day, like someone hung a league banner in their gym. That's a pretty good day. 
but we're just we're just past the point where I think the leagues got so jumbled in the in the last round of realignment like a decade ago. It's just like it's really you, when you don't know who's in the league, it's hard to care about who wins it. <laughs> they also they lack promoting their players. Like it's a yeah, disservice. Absolutely. I think that's a really good point, Pete, because that, that maybe that's what bothers me. It's like, why are we discussing this? Like, I, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think the cash, I watched some of that Texas Tech and West Virginia game, and there are no superstar players. There's are two really good teams. But instead of like talking, and I, I actually didn't hear it on that. So I don't know what, I don't want to get into. But, but if you're watching a game right now, for the most part, unless you are absolutely dialed in as a college basketball fan, you don't know the players or many of the players. And instead of spending time discussing the players or the game or promoting the players, it's last four in. And then they go to the halftime show and it's last four in. Mm-hmm. And it's like, tell me why this kid's interesting. Because they're all interesting in their own way. Right. But you get less of that and more of this sort of just process that is, it, it's, it's in the if the middle of an NFL football game in in October, they were talking about the mock draft on the broadcast. Like Jim Nance is literally discussing, well, you know, if uh, Cincinnati loses this, they got a better shot on offensive alignment at seven. <laughs> That's what we're discussing yeah. here, right? No, I, I mean, you guys are exactly right that the the regular season doesn't sell and the players don't sell. The tournament is the only thing that sells. I don't know if and anyone's so, selling them. What's it? No, they're not. They don't try to sell the players. They don't. I mean, that's a fact. They sell, they sold the hell out of Zion, but that was Zion. Yeah, uh, yes. You know, I mean, nice product. fact of the matter. Fact of the matter is Deuce McBride for West Virginia is a very, very good player. But who even knows about him? Now, I mean, he won the game last night. He's I mean, he is a really, really good guard who does a lot of things well on a good team. Uh, Mac McClung is an interesting story. This is a guy from far Western Virginia who went to Georgetown, was good at Georgetown, left, transfers to Texas Tech. Really good there. He scored 30 last night. But, you know, there's other than showing Mac McClung's parents sitting around in the stands, there's not a lot of attempt necessarily to make Mac McClung a marketable entity to the fans. Is he the first kid to ever transfer from Georgetown to Texas Tech in the history? <laughs> I would of think yes, in the history, academically or otherwise. Yes, hundred percent. Is never long time before. ago. I covered a I, when I used to cover recruiting. A kid was choosing between Fresno State and Georgetown. That was his final two, and I was like, I believe you're the first person in the history of <laughs> higher education to be accepted to both institutions on a full ride. <laughs> And, and decide, still be considering Fresno. Ah, yeah. That Georgetown You're, does look good. I don't know, all the presidents, Supreme Court justices, that kind of, But no offense <laughs> to Fresno. But do you remember who it was, Dan? I think it was Kenny Bruner. Oh, oh yeah. I remember yeah. Kenny Bruner. He went to Georgetown yeah. and then he got He picked Georgetown. He made the right yeah. thing. Yeah. He yeah. might have ended up at he transferred. I know he didn't make it through Georgetown. Yeah. I Kenny think Bruner, it was Kenny Bruner. If it oh, wasn't boy. Kenny Bruner, Kenny, apologize. Uh, but <laughs> I think it was you. I think it was down to, fr- I just remember talking to him. I didn't say it to his face. I was just like, okay, yeah. I think I, you know, I'm not going to get involved in the recruiting process, but <laughs> I got a little piece of advice. I didn't say anything, but I would have been like, maybe Georgetown. I don't know. Ooh, little armed robbery for Kenny. I just went to his yeah. wiki. Went to Southern Idaho. Yeah. You know, he might be listening. We got a lot of prison, prison listeners. They got a lot of time. <laughs> That's right. That's right. 
Yeah, Georgetown, oh. armed robbery, Southern Idaho. Southern Idaho. Go. Yeah, they always had a, there was quite a crew they had at Southern Idaho going for a while now. Yeah. yeah. Now, Kenny, Kenny, I guess didn't work out. Maybe should have gone to Fresno. Maybe I had it all wrong. Fresno is my favorite city. I don't believe anyone in the history of Fresno, the city of Fresno, has ever worn a tie. <laughs> <laughs> you ever met anyone from Fresno who owns a suit? No, no. And I've, I've been to city. a couple games at Fresno. They're in the Valley, San Fernando Valley, Casual, I believe man. it is. Casual city. Yeah. Very. Everyone's just chilling out in Fresno. Love it. There's nowhere to go. Nothing to do. It's hot as hell. Came in from the fields. Yep. yep. Barbecue in the backyard and a big old drum. I love it. Great city. Yeah. Isn't Northern California like not just that area, but that that area up where all the quarterbacks were from in the in the title games in the in the NFL this weekend? Because Josh Allen's uh, Fresno-ish, right? Yeah, Josh oh, no, Allen's yeah, I think closer to Sacramento, but yeah, not yeah, yes. not far from yeah. there. Mm-hmm. And Rogers. Yep. Yep. And so Brady. Brady. And, Brady. We all know. Well, about Brady's Brady. from San Mateo. That is not yes. the valley. No, Brady's he, Bay Area. Tony. Oh, Tony suburb of San Francisco, and then. Uh, Patrick's from uh, from uh, outside Temple, yeah. Texas, uh, White House, right. Texas. So, right, you can read right. all about it in Epic Athens. <laughs> <if you're laughs> I knew that was coming. Yeah, I, I mean, was, if you're gonna bring it this, up, you're gonna you're gonna big serve two it up weeks for, for you, boy. Big two weeks. Holy cow! Get the marketing machine moving. Hey, Epic every twelve year old in the country ought to have his nose in a book right now. <laughs> I feel like if I retweet Dan's attempt to sell Epic Athlete books, I can make fun of him for doing it on the podcast. I feel like that's like my train. I feel a little guilty, but I'm going to give him the pop. Like, you know, we kind of balance it there. I have bought Epic Athletes for many of my friends' kids, and they do, they have enjoyed them. Uh, it's, Steph hey, Curry, Selling Mahomes. books, you have to be shameless, man. It is like <laughs> selling books to 11-year-olds these days. It's like, can I get the TikTok version of this? <laughs> Not easy. Uh, Not the best. Sally, what's our podcast going to get on TikTok? A, a podcast on TikTok? How are we going to break this up in 30 second segments? Just a so. lot. We know that's, you that's guys where you earn your money. We, Dan can't yeah. intro the podcast in 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we'd have to tighten it up a whole lot. Can we choreograph our dances? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, if there's anything that we'd be really had, good dancers. and rhythm. Those yeah. The two oh, things. yeah. Yeah, we're yeah. going to we can Renegade. barely even clap to start the show to <laughs> well. So. <laughs> yeah, just it could just be a, a 30 second TikTok of all of us clapping at different times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like the missed high fives. There's something there. <laughs> There's something there. All I know is if you're thinking of getting in the business of selling books to kids these days, don't. Let me give you a little <laughs> advice. They can't read. Can't or won't? Eh, a little of both. Okay. Uh, all right. Speaking of trying to teach the youngsters of America, Coach K. Coach K had to apologize, or Coach K did. I don't know if he had to, for uh, a student reporter, Jake Piazza of the Duke Chronicle, went to the Duke-Louisville game and then on the Zoom asked Coach K uh, what I thought was a fairly uh, innocuous question. Um, Completely innocuous. Yeah, was fair. And Coach K, not in his finest moment, I don't think was the best answer. Basically compared it to whether you took a uh, economics test and what would you think if you get out of the economics test and didn't go so well? They had just lost to Louisville. I think the best line I said it, I heard was, I can't remember who put it out there, was Duke economics tests are a lot harder than beating Louisville these days. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what Kay's talking about. Um, thoughts on the uh, kerfuffle? Uh, with with Coach K that led to him uh, admitting it was a far from ideal response. Uh, yeah, I'm not outraged. I am not outraged. I think Coach K bungled the moment. Uh, I I think that it was 
his natural, sour, pissy kind of reaction to a bad situation and a question from a student. He Look, Coach K has a history of trying to control the students at Duke. Uh, the media, especially remember in like 1990 or something, he crawled the whole Chronicle staff into the locker room and blew them up. He went after the student section a couple of years ago, maybe even last year. I'm trying to remember, like lectured them about the way they were chanting or whatever. They were saying something he thought was insulting. And now this is like, you know, if Coach K wants to quit coaching and become a professor and sort of try to work with students that way, that's fine. But it's not his role in this instance to tell the coach or tell the the questioner, especially after a perfectly benign, legitimate question, you know, to the, you know, to have a little empathy. That was that that was his quote, to have some empathy for the eight million dollar a year Hall of Fame guy, you know, who's won gold medals and national championships. The the econ major, 21-year-old or whatever, needs to have empathy for Mike Krzyzewski. Again, it's not, it's not, you know, the end of the world. I've seen, I've been on the receiving end of a whole lot worse from coaches. And but but you know I just thought that it, he handled the situation poorly and he apologized and that's good. There we go. You know what? Fine. Uh, yeah, I, I've seen KB incredibly gracious in defeat and in victory before. This wasn't a very gracious moment for him. Yeah, I, uh, I I agree with Pat there. I think that uh, the the question was great. Kid asked a fine question, like perfectly benign is a perfect word for it. It was just it was a, it was a post game. Where do you go from here, Duke? I believe it lost three in a row at that point. Like it was that like what is going to happen to Duke is a is, is a question I would have wanted to know the answer to at the end of the game. So that was good. I don't think Kay's answer was like look. Kay's a bit of a sore loser. Remember Dylan Brooks in that uh, Sweet Sixteen when Duke lost oh, to yeah. Oregon a couple of years ago. Like and these guys are hyper competitive. Like I think back to when I was in college. Like Jim Beheim before YouTube would undress. It didn't matter. Student reporter, regular reporter. I'm sure Bob Knight, Pat, you can relate to that. So like from from the caliber of what we've seen and heard over the years, this was just sort of a like, let's put it this way. If I'm trying to think of like a like a middling college basketball, like a, like if Mike Boynton, who's just like a regular guy, answered the Oklahoma State student paper like that. Like nobody thinks Mike Boynton's great or bad. He's just kind of like a good, solid middle of the road coach. If he had answered the Oklahoma State student paper like this, nobody would nobody would care. But it, because it was Coach K, because it was a losing streak, because the video did show he came off like, look, he's he is history has shown us. And if, if we sat here and thought about it, the, the, the Chronicle example from 1990 was great. Like Coach K is a bit of a control freak and Coach K doesn't handle losing great. And that's probably why he's in the Hall of Fame and he's won a thousand games. So I, I, I think it's, it's it's easy to criticize what he did. It's also easy to all right. He apologized. Let's 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 move on. I, I'm not going to get I'm not going to get too too caught up. Yeah, I didn't think it was much of anything. Could have been worded better, but I like when they go crazy. The coaches yell at people, including me. I, I hate <laughs> televised press conferences because it changed the way uh, these things work. Getting yelled at by the coach mm-hmm. is not a bad thing if you get a good answer. Well, yeah. the, the job is like, what's Coach K actually thinking after the game? If he just gives a canned response, we didn't get anything out of it. The fact that he's like a little flustered told us something about how flustered he is. So I actually like it. I can only imagine Beheim. I mean, Beheim was brutal on reporters and maybe still is. I don't know. Sometimes he is. Uh, John Calipari, when I was a student reporter, was not uh, <laughs> not afraid to kill you. I mean, he would have, they would actually murder you if they didn't like what you asked. Oh, it's yeah. fine. I had no Norm problem Stewart, with that. Norm Stewart was a literal bully at Missouri. Yeah, Norm Stewart. Absolute bully. 
I mean, yeah. that's that's how but <laughs> we you had learned pretty, really pretty good, pretty good coaches. Yeah. Maybe they said people wonder why we're so cynical and bitter. Take it all back to the uh, to the <laughs> to get pushed around our lunch money taken by the college when we were at the school paper. Huh. I yeah. mean, but that it was good. You learned really quickly. Yes. Yeah. You learn really quickly. Like, I better do a good job here on this question. You learned. I, I had no problem with it. I never remember ever being upset. To me, this was like, this was nothing. This was literally nothing. If you're going to be in journalism, you're going to get a hundred of these. This is part of doing your job is getting them mad. It's okay. We're not supposed to be friends. It's not supposed to be polite. To me, it was like a, a, an example of like the aggregate and outrage departments of, of modern journalism. Like, let's take one quote out of uh, one little line and then turn it into this, you know, Coach K's a monster. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, no, he's not. And that's, well, yeah. look, there's the difference between, like, I tweeted about it. I said, student journalists ask innocuous question. Emperor on a losing streak doesn't handle it well. That's right. what yeah. I said. I, I was not right. outraged. Yeah. I was not yeah. outraged. Well, like, but why it, but are you, why are you so mad? I'm like, I'm not that mad. I, you know, it's just, you know. Yeah, no, it kept spinning, and apparently, then it's a it's a Monday talk show topic, uh, you know, in the talk show grist, and well, we, that's uh, us. We're we're milking it for every penny. Every yeah. Time. Well, I, I think it speaks to what we were talking about earlier when we started talking about like the Lenardi complex that ESPN has. Like Coach K as a figure is much more interesting than this Duke team, right? Oh, like it just it just it, it just times, that, yeah. that's the way the sport has evolved. So, I um, mean, Duke's a bunch of like middling older players in some underachieving one and dones or, or guys who are supposed to be one and dones. And they're just, they aren't as compelling as the Dukes that we became familiar with because we knew Hurley and Leitner and we knew it like just, again, everything's changed. I'm not bemoaning it, but why the focus on it? Well, we're, we're not going to like break down. Should Duke go play zone now? Cause people don't care enough about the regular season, college basketball, and the ins and outs. So what, what is going to get consumed? It's, it's coach K um, throwing a hissy fit. Yes. Less, less, um, you know, that that becomes the storyline. So that's where we're at. And we're going to milk it. Uh, Cause the media vultures that we are, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to take just it did. to the next level. Yes. Criticize <laughs> those that are criticizing the story that are criticizing. Right, we're just going to just keep going. There we go. Yes. Hey, yes. Well, that's better. Um, your life must be miserable. This is a uh, a quote from Jerry Stackhouse, who's my new favorite college basketball oh, coach. Yeah. The stack not going so well at Vanderbilt. He is DMing uh, Vanderbilt fans who have complained with lines like that. This guy's my <laughs> hero. This is exactly what I want to send to the people in my DMs. Stack, this is what you could do when you have NBA money. Yeah, right. He says Stackhouse exactly. is like, oh, whatever, man. <laughs> like Bryce Drew was the nicest guy in basketball when they fired him at Vanderbilt. Stack's like, screw it. If we're not winning, I'm fired. Doesn't mean <laughs> if you're nice. How can you be nicer than Bryce Drew? Yeah, can't be. Can't, can't be nicer. Be. They fired him anyway. So it's all about winning. Your life must be miserable, he said to uh, a fan. Called them fake-ass fans. Told his, uh, he said of his team, they keep doing the, quote, same dumb shit. <laughs> a little salty uh, language stack. I don't, is that just losing? Was that what he was summarizing? <laughs> well, that's looking at the record, that, that's certainly it. Yeah. They've been doing the same dumb <laughs> at Vanderbilt for 100 years. It's Vanderbilt. Yeah. What did that, why did you take this job? What were you thinking? At least Jawan Howard had the, had the wisdom to take a good job and has then yeah. done a tremendous job with it. Like that team's really good if they ever get to play again. What was, why did Stackhouse take the Vanderbilt job? 
such a I weird have no idea. So Stackhouse ended up at Vanderbilt because Vanderbilt hired Malcolm Turner as an athletic director. One of the worst athletic director hires in, in recent modern uh, college sports history. Uh, he resigned after a year. He was best known for redesigning his office to such an ornate way that it like put the athletic department in debt. And I'm slightly exaggerating there, but like <laughs> he didn't think his office was like suited. So like he decked it out. And uh, along, along the time he was turning his office into a, into a club, uh, people were like, you know, maybe this guy isn't cut out for college sports. I believe he works for FIBA now. He also extended Derek Mason. So causing Vanderbilt to pay Derek Mason more money. I'm not gonna cry for Vanderbilt. They get a billion dollar endowment. They can figure it out a little bit, but uh, old Malcolm didn't do him any favors when he blew through town. Well, I no, mean, Stackhouse might be a good coach. I just don't know why a guy like Jerry Stackhouse takes the Vanderbilt job. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just such a weird, like, that's the that's the job for the mid-major guy that isn't cool enough to get a real SEC job, and he's been <laughs> kicking around the valley, you know, or the Sun Belt for, like, 16 years, and it's like, <laughs> oh. Stallings, that's exactly who it was. Yeah, that, that, that's <laughs> and he did a good Vanderbilt. job there. As a whole, Kevin yeah. Stallings did do a good job there. That's who you get. Yeah. You don't get NBA. I know Nashville's a cool place, but it's like, gee, Stack, I don't know, man. That's a hard, that's a big pull down there. Terrible. So. He took a job. They had lost 20 games each of the two seasons before he got there. And then they lost 20 last year. And if they play enough games, they'll lose 20 <laughs> this year. That's their record the last two and a half seasons in the SEC is three and 30. Eight. That is atrocious. Holy crap. Here's the thing. I'll be I'll be interested to see in basketball. We can talk about this as weeks go on. So in football, in, in the summer, I was like, oh, there won't be a big carousel in football. There won't be a big carousel in football. There's a pandemic. Of course, there's a pretty sizable carousel in football. All right. And I was one of the chief idiots uh, toting the quotes out there of people saying that there wouldn't be a big thing. So I think in basketball, somebody like Stackhouse, again, he's only been there two years, who would tr be trending to be in trouble. I, I do think schools, because of financial restraints from pandemic, are going to have a harder time firing a basketball coach. There will be some, uh, you know, Jim Christian at BC is going to get fired. There's, there are some guys who are sort of drowning a little bit, but I don't think we're going to see a massive basketball carousel. That said, there's already been a bunch of guys fired, too, so there'll always be yeah, some. But Vandy already turned over football. I don't know whether they're ready to turn over both yeah, in the same season. You know, That's tough. So. All right, we're going to get to the Tennessee hire in a sec, football uh, search uh, as best we can. But I, I wanted to do this because this is really heartening news for me. Uh, this story from uh, Husker Online, Steve Rosen, uh, our, our rival site at uh, Nebraska, uh, talking about the difficulties college athletic programs are having attracting younger donors. The younger generations would somehow include us, by the way. Really? Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, obviously, you can't really get a lot of 25-year-olds. I mean, they don't have any money. It, it, honestly, if you're 25 right. years old and you're giving yeah. money to a college football program, like, yeah. dude, spend it on buying yeah. good-looking women drinks or look. I mean, <laughs> do, do something else with your money. You're 25. Go to Europe. <laughs> this is not what you should be spending your money on. Anyway, older – this, this quote stood out, though. It's from the uh, senior athletic official – actually, this is on Sportico website – Jay Judge, senior athletic official at Seton Hall. Most donors are the older brackets. The problem is graduates of the 90s and 2000s are significantly underrepresented among current donors, and it very much remains a question whether they will ever give back to athletic programs in the same way their predecessors did. Uh, Garrett Classy of Nebraska said it's a concern all across sports. People who are getting into middle age are not donating at the rate that the ones before did. 
you can go to 10 million factors, but I like to think we're smarter than our, our predecessors. These are these are my people. Do not it's don't That's, give give extra money to the electric company if you want to throw your money away. <laughs> For those who are just listening and not watching, I am pointing my finger directly at Dan Wetzel, the influencer, movement. influencer movement. The movement Tell, is underway. Getting people to not give any money to their alma maters under any circumstance. Sowing at, bitterness, sowing look at penury. These buyouts. Look at these buyouts you're paying. I'm not talking about athletics. I'm talking about the university as a whole. So I wouldn't do that. He's the either. Kardashian of no donation. I wouldn't <laughs> do that either. I am. I'm an influencer. But definitely don't give to the athletic department. You're going to pay <laughs> would, a, weight, a, a weight coach. Like There's something like 17 weight coaches are paid more than uh, Anthony Fauci. Anthony Fauci, Dr. Fauci, is the highest paid federal employee. And he, he wouldn't even... He wouldn't even rank in the top like 30 in Iowa. Like, I mean, you know. It's like, <laughs> How do you think they're going to get all those tight ends at Iowa and Iowa State, Dan? You think Dr. Fauci's going to get them there? Come on. <laughs> These are guys at Planet Fitness with like a good marketing pitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it is. And they're making millions. You don't. People are getting smart. Yes and no, I will say. I sell. I sell. I, I am in favor if you can afford it and you feel so moved of giving to your alma mater, not necessarily the athletic department and sure as hell, not the football program because they don't need it. All they, they, they are, they are sleeping on piles of cash and just trying to figure out ways to spend it on something other than the athletes. So I am not in favor of that, but I, I am, I think it's okay to support the academic pursuits of the universities that perhaps helped us get somewhere in life. It's up to everybody. They can all they can follow the Wetzel plan and say screw mm -hmm. everybody. Mm -hmm. But I am I am in favor if you if you are so moved and have the disposable income of of helping out your alma mater, go ahead and do it. So when we had uh, Eli Drinkwitz on the show, we we pondered whether that would be the uh, Pat Forty Indoor Center for Missouri football. And I guess the answer is yeah. it will not be. I, I was <laughs> I was hoping he could give a couple hundred bucks. They could name like the visitors locker room after him or something like that. Like maybe he could buy the pink paint for the visitors locker room or something. But there you go. Alas, Coach, oh, oh, Coach alas. Drinkwitz yeah. is not enjoying this podcast. <laughs> He's not. No, the the one and a half football coaches who listen to this podcast are not enjoying it because they're uh, we're, we're actively discouraging. Yeah, yeah, I know. A, I know. A, I know a football program. They literally play it out loud in the meeting room. <laughs> Our podcast. Uh huh. Come on. I will not wrap couple, them out. A couple presidents on board too that uh that that have become frequent listeners in their workouts. Yeah. So. Oh, too many coaches. They're all mad at us now because I keep yeah. saying yeah. terrible things. They all, <laughs> they all they didn't listen. We didn't have to they, edit ourselves. <laughs> they all call Pete and complain. Yeah, uh, we did. We did get word of one Power Five AD who was asking around if anybody goes on our what was it our terrible podcast. Why we have no guests? There's no guilt by association. Look what happened. See, we had two guests, and now they're already blackballed for appearing on our podcast. <laughs> Uh, all right, Tennessee football. Danny White is in place. The search is underway. What are they going to do? We had this one report that perhaps a James Franklin at Penn State was approached, but he at Penn of State, course. I don't see why James Franklin would leave Penn State to go to Tennessee. I think Penn State's phenomenal place. You want loyalty? They hired. They used to have a guy who worked forty six years or something <laughs> or sixty. I mean, huh? yeah. <laughs> They ain't yeah. firing anybody up there. It's great. What's uh, what's the latest that we're hearing that could be completely irrelevant in 30 minutes? So let's, uh, that's why we're not leading with this. 
Um, you know, I think they are uh, they are out there uh, perusing and meeting with uh, with with different candidates. The the most compelling candidate right now, as we are taping here, is is Clemson's Tony Elliott. Uh, he's the offensive coordinator of the Tigers. I believe he has a seventy nine and seven record as a play caller since Clemson took over, and it really seventy nine and six because he wasn't the play caller in that Ohio State game that he missed because of COVID in the in the playoff, and they clearly missed him. So. Here's the problem with Tennessee right now and why this search could end up getting a little bit clunky. Sorry, Sully. The, the, the problem with Tennessee is you don't know how big the mess is. And the uncertainty of how big the mess could be from the NCAA sanctions from their self-reporting, and as we've argued, over self-reporting of these violations and firing 10 people, it, it's not like you can come in and say, OK, we're missing X scholarships and we have X postseason ban. What you have to say is you have to wait maybe six months, maybe a year, maybe a year and a half to find out how big the mess is. So first you're recruiting to uncertainty and then you're recruiting to, you know, a, a, a program that's going to be operating with one hand high behind its back. There's going to be probation. There's going to be negative headlines. So it's going to be harder to work the portal because guys want the carrot of the postseason. It's going to be harder to go find the best juniors, which is really who you have to start recruiting at this point because the best seniors are already going to be taken. You, you, like They're going to be hesitant to go because they don't want to spend half their career, especially the elite ones, with, the, with, the, with, with probation. So the specter of NCAA sanctions often becomes more powerful than the sanctions themselves. I've heard coaches say that over the years. I'm sure you guys have too. And that is the problem with the Tennessee job right now. They can't sell it because or they're going to struggle to sell it to established coaches because they don't know what the floor is. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a very good point, is that that, that you're asking somebody to leap into the unknown to a degree. Now, if, if I'm Tennessee, here's what I am selling to Tony Elliott. Who, yes, I've definitely heard his name strong in there. Uh, I've heard, you know, that he may be like 50-50 whether he wants it or not. You know, there, there's other candidates uh, of, of varying levels. I somewhat pitched uh, Lance Leipold the other day, and I still think he would be a good choice if uh, if it gets to him from Buffalo. But here's what, if I'm Danny White, I'm talking to these guys. What I'm saying is we got in front of this and yeah, we, we, we sat there in the press conference and said, Oh my gosh, it's bad. But we got in front of it. We had, we found it out ourselves. We turned it in ourselves. And so we're hoping for a mitigated penalty. And if you look at the NCAA penalty matrix, violation level one mitigated zero to one year postseason ban. I think they could live, if you're a new coach coming in, you could live with one year or even zero if you if you get mitigated. If you don't get it mitigated, eh, then it gets dicey. Standard one to two years, okay? It's postseason ban. That's when people recruits are like, no, nah, no, thank you, and you're taking a much bigger financial hit and a lot of other things that would make that job seem uh, less palatable. Scholarship hits as well. So I think you have to say, yeah, we did that. We got in front of it, but for a reason, so we can mitigate the penalty on the back end, and it's not going to hurt you that bad when you get here. Now, again, though, you are asking for a leap of faith from whoever the coach is that it's going to work out that way. Nobody ever knows how NCAA stuff works out. Nobody. That's That has been one of my biggest things I've said for 25 years in this job. Anybody that says they know how an NCAA, the NCAA is going to rule on anything is lying. Nobody ever knows what's how this is going to turn out. But the matrix at least gives you a framework to, to work from. Well, you're wrong about one thing, Pat. We know one thing for certain. It's going to go slow. 
All right. We know well, the NCAA yeah. will work slowly. That is they are undefeated in being stuck in molasses on these cases. Big cases, small cases, explosive cases. I mean, the Syracuse case took seven years. Right. How long did the UNC case take? So that that variable right there is is one of the things that has to scare coaches. All right. Time for people's court. Dan, that was that was too much. That was too much talk about actual. It was a good. Athletics. It was good. But I, I got to get this show popping we're, here. We're, we're moving on. <laughs> We're moving yes. on. On to Cincinnati. Represent, or this, this one goes to Oklahoma, to the uh, lawmakers of Oklahoma, uh, which I think once had no laws. That was why people ran in there, right? That was the whole point. <laughs> yeah. of, guess Sooners, they got, yes. Yeah, the Sooners. Now they have laws. Uh, Representative Justin Humphrey has introduced a bill in the Oklahoma legislature earlier this month, and that's the question I want to have. The bill uh, reads that a hunting season would be created and regulated in which, including hunting fees and licenses, would be handed out to allow for the hunting of Bigfoot. <laughs> Bigfoot. You can hunt for Bigfoot in Oklahoma. Now, first off, Mike Gundy is totally doing this, right? <laughs> oh, he's getting the first license. 100% Mike Gundy is going to hunt for Bigfoot. Uh, from Rep Hunt for He's going to call a press conference and complain that he can't hunt for the Loch Ness Monster as well. <laughs> can't find him. He's got a yeah. fish for that, right? You fish. Yeah. You know, very There's big some lakes net. out there in Oklahoma. Big net. I don't know. A, a lot of people don't believe in Bigfoot, Justin Humphrey said, but a lot of people do. <laughs> hey, <laughs> can't argue with that. <laughs> one of the great law, one of the great political scientists of our time here, Rep Humphrey. Good idea or bad idea to allow licenses, have suckers pay money to go hunt a thing that doesn't exist. Will they get mad? Will they come back and shoot the guy who gave them a license? What will happen? What is what is what is Gundy think? Pat Forty, is this a good bill? It's a great bill. You kidding? <laughs> That's awesome. That's and you use the right word, suckers. There's a sucker born every minute. By God, sign them up and get some revenue coming in this. As Mike Gundy said, we need to get some revenue coming through this state. Right there. Do it with Bigfoot. And who's to say he doesn't exist, Dan Wetzel? Who's to say? You may think that he doesn't. I, we've, we've had some podcast discussions going back through the years about Bigfoot. Bigfoot's a popular topic, yeah. It is. It is. You know what? Bigfoot, you can cover some ground with Bigfoot. And you know what? One of our loyal listeners will uncover a sketchy, blurry photo of Bigfoot near Salisaw, Oklahoma, within the next three days. That is the challenge before you people. I Go guess it's, it. it's Hanobia, Oklahoma, as an annual Bigfoot festival each October. Ah, okay. So this a little. This kind of plays off of that. And uh, the good okay. people of Hanobia, there's no way that they're. Uh, oh, it got canceled due to COVID. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you get COVID? Did you get at a restaurant this or Bigfoot a bar? Got nah, COVID? Got Bigfoot. <laughs> Bigfoot is immune. I guarantee Bigfoot it. caught COVID. What no, happened? He's immune. He's we immune. need Bigfoot to help the supply chain and get this uh, get this vaccine rolled out. Uh, all right, Pete, your thoughts on the uh, Bigfoot uh, challenge? Yeah, I mean, how can I be anti-Bigfoot? You throw me off the podcast, right? Like, am I really going to be – I know I could be a buzzkill, but, like, I'm not a big enough buzzkill to, like, tamp down on the Bigfoot hunting. Yeah. So, yeah, let him, let him rip. Run tempo on Bigfoot. Let's go. The, the sign-up sheet for these licenses should literally be stupidest people in America list. I, I, I voluntarily <laughs> identify myself. No, I, hey, if you can get them, you get them. Maybe the kangaroo comes popping through. We don't know. See, yeah, you're gonna find the Guntown kangaroo. He might be in the area. A lot don't of Florida men will uh, will appear on that him. list. 
Man, I'll tell you, during Bigfoot uh, hunting season, though, like if you shave your beard, stay out of the woods, you do, you get misidentified, man. Like, careful now. People of uh, Honobia, Oklahoma, and the greater metropolitan region. Shoot, shooting anything furry that moves, yeah. All right, finally, I guess we could people's court this. I don't, this is a legal issue. It uh, involves marital strife. So this could be divorce court. Uh, maybe this is it. Should this guy be granted an immediate divorce? Uh, a jealous wife in Mexico was going through her husband's phone and uh, discovered some old photos on the phone, the the husband and uh, a woman. And uh, she went into a blind rage, according to the Daily Mail, and began stabbing her husband. He was able to fight her off, get the phone, and show her that the woman in the photos was actually her from years before. <laughs> oh, my. That is oh awesome. <laughs> really? She you was, had me when you said, according to the Daily Mail. The Daily Mail is all over yeah. this story. Yeah. Lenora uh, reportedly didn't immediately recognize herself because the woman in the images was younger, thinner, and wearing makeup. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Immediate divorce? What do you... What do you Granted, I mean, this is well, imagine that you get stabbed and you're like, I, I didn't do anything. Yeah. Seriously. Like, you'd you be like, I don't even know what you're like, talking about. On account of stabbing, yes. But even more than that, on account of letting yourself go so badly that you're now unrecognizable <laughs> to yourself. Double yes. Yeah. Right. Double yes. Yeah. Divorce, We've all like immediate. put on put on some pounds and like maybe we're like kind of last ones to realize that everybody else around to realize that we all remember ourselves as the best version of ourselves right <laughs> oh yeah we don't yeah. we don't remember ourselves like the week after like basketball season ends we're on the road for five straight weeks and you're gross no you remember yourself when you get you know you've been working out you're feeling good so yeah pity this well, that, woman there's a question for you like do you do you guys have a kind of an internal age of like how old do you think you are because i have always got like very optimistically figured out <laughs> no. about like 37 <laughs> Which I am not. I am not about 37. But that's how badly I can lie to myself personally. Man, I don't. You act like you're 17 most of the time, Pat. So. Well, yeah, I, I wouldn't give my, my maturity level isn't even close to that. Uh, well, this poor guy loses yeah. his wife, is accused of being a cheater and gets stabbed. <laughs> wow. That's a bad After day. the divorce. I mean, that sob story should really work, though. A lot of ladies are going to. I mean, it's like I was loyal. I was a good husband. Yeah, right, right. I still Look, saw my wife as beautiful. I still saw her as the, the beautiful bride that I married. Women should be lining up for this dude. She stabbed me for it. Tough, tough out there, man. It's tough out there in these relationships. All right, we're going to get to Fat Squirrel Week. So we had a, alert listeners send us a bunch of stuff about a fat squirrel. Uh, we'll get to that uh, the next We, You know, it's off season. We got a little more time to breathe here and tell you about a doomed Mexican marriages <laughs> and uh, <laughs> things like that. We don't have to pick games. <laughs> so keep the uh, news us, of the weird yes. coming. Send us the fodder. We love the fodder. Like, we, we love the oh, fodder. Yeah. We will get yes. to it. I, I had another, uh, yeah, another source in a conference talking. Uh, this is a good story, too. I got to get to. Spurred by the guy that lived in O'Hare for three months. <laughs> um, so oh. I I see you. I'll get to you. I don't I don't want to say names on here because now it's right. 
third yeah, rail he, of college podcasts who can end careers by letting people know they listen. Everyone's well, that's the thing. We listening. are so we are so widely heard and so influential that we have to be careful with our secretly readers listening identities. in their Listeners. offices yeah. and stuff on their Raycon Absolutely. earbuds. So no one can hear. If anyone found out who Deep Gator was, it would cause a deep, deep, deep oh, fissures deep, throughout we got the deep, deep would, ACC. Yeah. Deep ACC. I mean, they're all over. We know who you are. Anyway, subscribe and leave a nice review and tell your friends. And we'll be back Thursday night. Talk to you later.